0: Are we is are we all ready? I think we're ready already. Jesus. Hi, oh, welcome hello, folks. <laughs> welcome um to skin wine. Yeah, it is so windy here. Like intensely oh, yeah. windy.
1: I saw that. You guys were in the Santa Ana winds this week, and then you had
0: possibility of snow. It's cold as fuck outside. And by cold as fuck, I mean a proper San Diego cold as fuck. Like it's probably <laughs> fifty. 33 here. Or
1: 28. It's 28 now.
0: Do you because see what I'm drinking? Can you see? Whiskey? It's a whiskey. Yeah. It's you. I drank all my wine yesterday. Well, you should have told me I would have
1: drank wine
0: to offset yeah. that. I'm drinking yeah. whiskey as well. Well, I um, I don't have a car because rats ate my engine. So my car is at the dealership. So they and eat metal, they eat like steel. They, it's the, it's the wire harness. So it's like the place where all of my wires are connected to the engine. So um, they can't just replace the wires. No, I, I, I mean, I don't. I'm not a mechanic.
1: Did you know they had that? You had rats in there.
0: Or no. Before,
1: like Marquand, no. he had like the, you know, he knew building up before that went bad.
0: I knew it was a possibility because I've I've had uh a couple of years ago my battery was I needed it to to get it replaced and I just kept putting it off and putting it off so I had to jump my car all the time with um like I had this portable jump start thing. So at that point I knew that there was rats because I um had to lift my hood all the time to like, you know, jumpstart my battery. And I noticed rat droppings. So I knew it was a possibility. I just had no idea. And your car is parked outside. Like you have this whole
1: neighborhood to like chew on. Yeah. And aren't rats not allowed there? I mean, you're pretty in high end territory, man. No, not
0: for the not for the price of living right? out here. We should exactly. not have any rodents. I totally agree. That's real. One of the rodents around here, I think like Escondido area, just tested positive for the plague again. Oh my God, man, we really are in end times. Jesus, we're bringing like, back the plague. COVID wasn't enough. <laughs> we have to be living in some simulation where a six-year-old got the controls and is like, <laughs> "Let's see what, let's see what happens. Let's see what we can do from here." That's funny. I'm trying to
1: spring clean here, but I've been up on the computer most of the day.
0: <laughs> spring clean? It's January.
1: Well, you know, we have visitors coming on Thursday, so we have to. It's actually not a lot, honestly. Like, we're like, okay, we're going to do the downstairs today, the upstairs tomorrow. And it's like, it's really not that bad. We haven't lived here long enough. And yeah. we don't get the dust that I got in California because we have grass, so we don't have the dirt yard. So. Oh, right. It's a it's hundred times simpler to clean here. Cool. So,
0: it's so you have that, laundry.
1: that one perk. Yes. <laughs> there. That's so far. The only perk is I love the house and I don't have a dirt backyard. Instead, they drag snow in, but, you know, snow dissipates. So, yeah. Or melts what? to make it easier as opposed to dissipate. Um, using big words today.
0: Well, our stories are going to bring us to a place where there's a lot of snow, too. Yes.
1: For some reason, for no reason at all, we're going back to Wisconsin.
0: Because there's so much weird shit that happens in Wisconsin. Like, I mean, it's insane. The amount of killers and weird shit that goes on there.
1: Sorry, Amber, you run, hurry. (laughs) I know. It's I totally thought you were going to pick the same thing I did because I am tramping all over you today as far as it's totally true crime more than it is anything paranormal. Mm, but I'm excited. I was super into it. And I was like, and it was under hauntings when I was doing my 3am research like I do. Ah, but really it's more true crime, but I was like, it's too cool to pass up. Sorry. Yeah.
0: It's not Ed Geins, is it? No. Is he in Wisconsin too? Yeah. Are you serious? I'm not kidding. That's like Jesus. Dahmer, Gein. I did not know that Gein was Wisconsin. Stephen Avery. Really? Yeah, Manitowoc County. Oh, oh that's right. That's
1: right. That's so funny. God, you're right. What's yeah. What's up with you, Wisconsin?
0: It's it just breezes your brain out there? What's up? There's a lot of fucking land. Like, there's a... I mean... I'm surprised that people ever get caught. Like,
1: yeah, you could I get their
0: it's very desolate. fuck over the place.
1: OK, then shall we begin? Yes. So. so oh, go ahead. Wait, that makes it my turn. <laughs> what were I you know. going to say? I was just going to say. So what is it? I'm excited. So I'm doing the Frank Lloyd Wright Love Cottage Murders. Wasn't he the first pilot? <laughs> <laughs> he's very famous, but not because he's a pilot. He's the architect.
0: Oh. No, I was thinking of first of all, I was thinking of the Wright brothers. Right, but, but also, you know, who
1: you know who Frank Lloyd Wright is in real life.
0: I think I do. But I thought that never, I don't because I thought it was like that neighborhood in L.A., that that guy designed all the houses and everything oh, he and did he's super famous houses yeah. in Wisconsin then. Oh, that's where he's from. He's from Wisconsin. Oh, oh Wow. Well. Yes. If it's not fucking California, it's Wisconsin. And <laughs> I didn't know that either. I was like, Oh, interesting. Okay. Oh, well I got one pop up.
1: Okay. So I used Wikipedia history channel.com Com. CrimeMuseum.com and WisconsinFrights.com. It's very dot-commy today. So, Frank Lloyd Wright was and probably is the most famous architect on the planet. He designed more than 1,000 structures in his lifetime, which was from 1867 to 1959. And you've probably heard of the Guggenheim. Yeah, that's Mm him. Yeah. Oh. I was going to name a bunch of stuff, but really, it's not really about him, per se. Okay. he was what you'd call a colorful, eccentric personality and was known to make headlines. 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 <laughs> Jeez. He married Catherine Tobin in 1889 and had six children with her. Hmm. So in 1903, Wright was designing a house for Edwin Cheney. He became obsessed with his wife, Martha, also known as Mama with an H. Brothwig yeah. Cheney. Yeah, it's um, M A M A H, so it's it is Mama, but I don't know where the H comes
0: from. But that's what they call her. Mama. 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 Was a modern (laughs) woman. Oh my God! Do you hear that? My window's gonna get blown out. Somebody's Uh, trash can just flew over. Remember that happened? I had a
1: window bust out, but that's because my windows are probably as old as this house. (laughs) Okay. Well. Anyway. So Mama was a modern woman and was a hardcore feminist, and this is like 1903, Okay. and Wright considered her an intellectual equal.
0: So 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 Wright had a huge ego as
1: well. Of course, don't they all? Shortly after they started an affair, the pair eventually left for Europe together, leaving their spouses and their children behind. The Cheneys divorced two years later, with Mr. Cheney getting custody of their two children. Catherine Wright refused to divorce Frank Lloyd Wright, And it would be 19 years before they were finally divorced. Holy shit. She was like, nope, not doing it. Not doing it. So in 1911, seeking a place of their own, Frank Lloyd Wright built a residence for Catherine in Spring Green, Wisconsin, calling it Taliesin. Taliesin. Yeah. Taliesin. Taliesin, which is in honor of some Welsh bard. The press branded it the Love Cottage or the Castle of Love. The local residents were not very welcoming. They were afraid that the scandal would have a demoralizing effect on the local school children. Whoa. Mm -hmm. Like they know, like the kids are like, oh, my God, they're together and they're not married. It's a shame. Oh, my God. There were even threats of tarring and feathering them.
0: For an affair?
1: Yeah, because they were both married to different people. And they how dare they build this little love cottage.
0: Jesus Harrison. Christ. Tar and <laughs> feather? God.
1: The townspeople even called the local sheriff to arrest Wright, but they had no reason to. This is not against the law. Maybe morals, but not against the law. Hmm. So Wright cared little about standard conventions or people's opinions of him. You know, he was a millionaire, so he didn't give a shit. Yeah. He said, and I quote, Two women were necessary for a man of artistic mind, one to be the mother of his children and the other to be his mental companion, his inspiration and his soulmate. Oh, barf, right? To another reporter, he said laws and rules are made for the average man. The ordinary man cannot live without rules to guide his conduct. It is infinitely more difficult to live without rules. But that is what the real, honest, sincere thinking man is compelled to do
0: that is going to be my new thing now (laughs) i'm extraordinary so i
1: don't don't have to follow the rules i'm sorry i'm really above them i know like what a douche they were built for ordinary people yeah all right so let's get on to the nitty-gritty here's the fun shit okay so on the afternoon of august 15th 1914 wright was in chicago working on a design of midway gardens Mama was at their home with her two children, eight-year-old Martha and 12-year-old John, from her previous marriage. Mama and her children sat down on the porch to wait for their lunch to be served. Inside the main dining room were Wright's laborers who gathered around the table waiting for some lunch as well. Everybody wants some lunch. Mm-hmm. Wright had hired a Barbados native named Julian Carleton as a handyman and servant to perform housework around Taliesin. taliesin I'm gonna keep I, I called it something different in my head and then I made sure I was gonna pronounce it correctly so now I'm like stuck oh, on it because I yeah. I tried too hard it's Taliesin. God damn it I don't want people in Wisconsin to hate me. you Taliesin
0: it to me and I was just trying to Taliesin Taliesin, taliesin. that's what well, I thought I, it was Talisin. Tal- Taliesin. Taliesin? I don't know. I, I'm gonna be so f- fucked with my story and the the names of things because I can't pronounce anything in Wisconsin. I don't <laughs> Wisconsin understand Wisconsin dialect.
1: Yeah. Taliesin. It's Taliesin. That's what it okay. is. Now remind okay. me that it's Taliesin. 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 So anyway. Um, Carlton's wife was named Gertrude. She was the cook of the residence. So Julian Carlton served soup to mama and her children and then told his wife to leave the house. He then grabbed a hatchet, went out on the porch and murdered mama and her two children. Whoa. Then doused them in gasoline. Whoa. So the workers that were still inside eating their lunch, when 19 year old draftsman Herbert Fritz noticed something weird. We heard a swish as though water was thrown through the screen door. Then we saw some fluid coming out of the door. It looked like dishwater, and it spread out on the floor, he recalled. What do you think that liquid was?
0: Gasoline?
1: It was gasoline. It you was. said
0: you they, doused, they were doused in gasoline. <laughs> I know, and I ruined it
1: because most people would assume it was blood, but I did add that in at the last minute because I didn't know that he'd burned them, too.
0: Okay. But, yeah. Well, also, blood does not look like dishwater. <laughs> cutting yourself oh, no. what is your dishwasher like <laughs> your dishwasher. not blood uh,
1: not blood that's good you're doing it right it's more gasoline <laughs> the dining room burst into flames the door had been shut and locked herbert fritz said later <laughs> said later days and with <laughs> his clothes and hair on fire he jumped out a window and rolled down the hillside to put out the flames as Herbert looked back at the house, he saw Julian Carlton using his hatchet on his co-workers who had broken through the locked doors or were trying to escape out the same window he did. So Julian actually went outside. And as these poor guys trying to get away from the fire, he was slicing them up, trying to come out the window. Oh,
0: my God.
1: So, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So two of Herbert's co-workers, Master Carpenter Billy Weston, who actually built Taliesin and landscaper David Lindblom managed to escape through the window, but they were badly burned and wounded. They ran to the house half mile away to phone for help because that was closest house out of phone because it wasn't like normal back then. Yeah. So the, towns- the townspeople ran to the scene and found the bodies of mama and her children, two laborers and a 13 year old boy, which I believe is the son of Billy Weston, the master carpenter. Hmm. Lynn Bloom and the landscaper, uh, Lynn Bloom, the landscaper, ended up dying due to his burns and his wounds. Oh, so all in all, seven people died in the attack and two survived. Hours after the massacre, Carlton was discovered unconscious in the basement furnace of the house. It was fireproof, so he was going to hide down there until the fire died down. Oh. He had swallowed muriatic, also known as hydrochloric, hydrochloric acid, in the um, – I almost said in the basement. He didn't – I don't know where he did it. Um, the handyman never gave a reason for the attack. His wife said he had grown paranoid the last few weeks and had begun keeping a hatchet by the bed. Another witness said that there were rumors that some of the workers directed racial slurs towards him and that there had been some incident with a saddle a week before. Like a saddle hmm. for a horse? As opposed to saddle that, for you know random goats, I guess.
0: Like, I mean, that's a bit crazy. <laughs> you're, you have an argument over a saddle, so you're gonna <laughs> fucking burn everybody?
1: Like it's all over. Um, another of the surviving workers said mama had told the Carltons they were being let go, and that Mrs. Carleton confirmed this and that they were supposed to take a train that night back to Chicago. Julian Mm. Carlton never was tried for the murders. He died seven weeks later of starvation. He was (laughs) unable to eat from the damage the hydrochloric acid did to his esophagus. So he literally took him seven weeks to die from starvation.
0: Why did he swallow that?
1: I think he was trying to kill himself, I'm assuming.
0: Oh. That's a really fucking awful way to go. Try and kill yourself and you have to wait seven weeks.
1: But, you know, it kind of paid for his crime, like you starved to death, and that had to be slow and painful. Plus, mm-hmm. I'm sure the hydrochloric acid really fucked him up, too. Yeah. So, of course, the townsfolk blamed the tragedy on their wicked ways. Frank yeah. Lord Wright was devastated. He had Mama buried in an unmarked grave at Unity Chapel, which he also built, because he didn't want to be reminded of his loss. So he gave her no funeral and <laughs> no gravestone. Because it would hurt his feelers. He's such a fucking pig. Oh, right. I know. Like, oh, well, as long as, you know, your feelings are not hurt, it's all good. Edwin Chaney, who was the husband of uh, Mama, came and took the bodies of his two children back with him to Chicago.
0: Oh, my God. I can't even imagine the devastation. Like, your wife leaves you, takes your kids. Well, he had custody, so
1: she must have just had visitation rights at this moment. Yeah. I mean, it's so gross. Why do you fucking get the kids? Like, they are, like, totally innocent here.
0: That I, I was wondering if he was, like, like, had a mental break, you know, if he was, like, insane. But it doesn't sound like he was. It sounds like he was just. Well, I had also read that, um
1: townspeople had seen him in the windows at night, walking back and forth with a butcher knife. Oh, you know, his wife said he'd become paranoid in the last couple of weeks. So I don't know. I don't really believe the townspeople. Like, why are you just staring at this window window and there's this guy just walking back and forth with a knife. I don't know. It seems kind of weird to me. And this
0: is the early 1900s. Yeah. In Wisconsin. I wonder if maybe because he was rich, he had electricity. So like, Maybe not a lot of people had electricity, so you could see somebody walking back and forth in the night. You know what you I, I mean? This like, was a
1: high-end area. I don't know that for any kind of fact. Mm-hmm. But just because he lived there, he built there, I'm not sure. Like, maybe, like you said, he is the house, you know. Yeah. Um. Doo-doo-doo. Okay, so the remains went back to Chicago with the father. Wright rebuilt. God, I wish I would have <laughs> In mama's mm-hmm. honor. And by the end of 1914, which was the year this all happened, it was completed, and he had already found a new love of his life who had written to did. him to send, to send her condolences. Oh, my God. Mm, yeah. So the two waited in 1923, and in 1925, the house burned down again. Joel Carlton's ghost came back seeking revenge. I'm kidding. That's not true. Uh- <laughs> um, The house did burn to the ground, but it was, but it was faulty wiring of a new telephone system that they had just put in that got struck by lightning.
0: Um, at that point, I might be thinking maybe this is my karma, like a a lightning to your telephone. Brand new telephone system. Yeah.
1: Others say the land is cursed. Right. Once again, rebuilt the house. And today it's a national historic landmark. The site no one will is live in it. <laughs> the site is considered the deadliest single killer rampage in Wisconsin history. Hmm. So, where's the haunting, right? I mean, I do paranormal. Where's the haunting?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, I mean, you know the most horrific tragedies are the ones that seem to have the most are the most likely to be haunted. Mhm. So, while it was burning the first time, the rescue workers carried the dead or dying victims to a cottage on the hill called Tanya Dairy. It's also where Wright's sister lived. Hmm. Today, there are numerous accounts of strange happenings. Witnesses have seen lights flashing on and off when no one is there. Windows close and open all by themselves. People say there's phantom smells of smoke and gas, like it's actually really common to go up there and then get these huge whiffs of smoke and gas. Doors slam by themselves. And quite often you can hear children's voices screaming for help.
0: Oh, God, I wouldn't like that at all. I think that I'd rather smell gasoline. Awful. Absolutely. Like, that's horrific. Poor friggin'
1: little kids. Um, which is actually what I wrote. I wrote poor little kids. <laughs> <That> is- Witness- <laughs> Witnesses claim they are often... They often close up the place at night because it is somewhere you can visit. And then the next day they come back and everything's open again. And they say this happens all the time. Like probably it's more
0: frequently their, their spirits are too concerned with it being closed up that somebody could light a fire outside. You know, that's probably, you know what? You're
1: probably super accurate actually on that. They're yeah. like, I don't want to be trapped in here again. Yeah, no, not um, at all. Locals claim that you see an apparition of a restless woman in a white gown. The ghost appears to be Mama, and she's
0: looking for her children. Oh, well, yeah, because she's not buried with them. Right. Her husband couldn't be bothered to look at her grave.
1: It wasn't even her husband. That was right, his mistress. Oh, my loss is too much. I can't look at it. Meh. Nah. God. You big pussy? No. But I thought that was just, I didn't know that about Frank Lloyd Wright. I studied him in, like, humanities or something.
0: And it's I like, that, that was never mentioned. And that's pretty crazy. It's insane. I mean, I've heard of his name, although clearly I couldn't pin it down when you <laughs> well, said it. The Wright
1: Brothers <laughs> is pretty accurate, too.
0: But, um, well, and then as soon as you said it, I knew it wasn't the Wright Brothers because they're from North Carolina, oh, not... Wisconsin, but you know, my brain wasn't working that fast.
1: So I'm like, you're gonna see the smarter and you're gonna do it because it's it's like epic. So I was like so afraid you're gonna pick the same thing and you're gonna be like, well, okay, this will be a really short episode. Okay, we're done.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, this one, um Amber's really interested to hear my pronunciations because you know, (laughs) a normal friend would help you. Um, in the pronunciations of things. Oh, not your not best friend. No. Your best friend will to give you a fucking name of things and be like, "Ha, I want to see how you pronounce this." No, <laughs> I'm on every side
1: one. on this. I, I, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Taliesin.
0: Taliesin. Taliesin. <laughs> okay. So, by the way, this um, whiskey I'm drinking is by um, John Rich from big and rich or oh yeah yeah redneck riviera or whatever it's um
1: metallica has one called um oh my god i want to shoot myself in the face why don't i know this oh my god i should i think it's called blackened god damn it i hate myself right Mm. now i haven't tried it yet believe it or not tool Tool out here
0: (laughs) hmm. tool had a wine for a minute that was named after that wig that prostitutes would put on their privates.
1: Oh, really? Oh, a Merkin?
0: Yeah. Oh,
1: that's funny. And I, I actually got him, um, Maynard, to he was in Hillcrest signing him at Sprouts. Oh, yeah. And I got him to sign one for Steve when he was alive because he loves Tool. It is called we, Blackened. Oh, it's called Blackened by Metallica. Did I say that? Yeah.
0: Okay. Oh, no. Yeah, I think so. I think I did Yeah, too. we had one that was signed as well. And um, I was out of wine sometime last year. And so I looked on eBay to see like if signed bottles were, you know, like if they were worth anything. And some people were selling them for like 300 bucks. Wow. And I was like, I don't fucking care to do that. I'm drinking right. it. Like <laughs> I still Sounds have like a lot bottle. of work. Yeah, and that's all I don't, that matters. Yeah, right. But yeah, I I was like, the wine in here is worth it more to me to <laughs> <laughs> drink.
1: I saved a bunch of Game of Thrones wine, and then like you said, it was I got desperate one day, and I was like, whatever, they sell it. It's a thing. People have it. Who cares?
0: Yeah, it's terrible wine, by the way. Um, I had it and like an ale or i don't know i think it was like a beer a game oh, of I thrones had the beer, beer too yeah. but it was in like a wine bottle or like yes. a champagne type bottle have the same thing yes i got yeah. that as well we drank it i think during the finale yeah we drank it during something we were watching but i mean we one of the episodes we were watching game but, of thrones not just something
1: too. i'm pretty sure it was the last season we demolished the beer and the wines
0: all right so My story. This case is obviously out of Wisconsin. Um, I have already said that I cannot pronounce any of these towns. So. And you'd think like I've been out there. Quite a few times and I still can't. I can't figure it out. It's almost as funny as when people come to Southern California and start pronouncing all of the Spanish words. All the J's. Jamaca. Yeah. Yeah. La Jola. La Jola. Well, and I I grew up in a town, the next town over from me, Rancho Penasquitos. And people have a hard time with the Penasquitos part, the Nye. I get that. I know. And then you feel all superior when you're telling them, um,
1: it's Hamasha and it's La Jolla. J's are with H's. It's all Spanish here. Yeah. You feel superior when you tell people that.
0: And that's how they feel about Wisconsin because it's all like indigenous, you know, Um, Native American type stuff mixed with like Dutch. I don't. Oof.
1: That's weird. That's a
0: weird combo. (laughs) I don't know if it's Dutch or German, Polish, you know, that kind of like Eastern European type. All right. So this case is from Suamiko in Brown County, Wisconsin. It's S-U-A-M-I-C-O. I don't know. It's also a throwback because it takes place in 1971. Not as thrown back as yours <laughs> in the 1900s. But uh, so this is Neil Lefebvre.
1: We're starting off so good.
0: I know. LaFeve. I'm just going to call call him that. Um he was 32 years old at the time. He was a game warden for the Senseba Wildlife Area in East Wisconsin. And his family became concerned about him when he did not show up for his birthday party. So everybody was over, friends and family. They were going to celebrate him turning 32. And uh, his wife was like, this is not like him. We have to go look for him, which I mean, for your own birthday party. Yeah, you can't not show up to that. My brother did that one time. Oh. He didn't show up to his birthday party that was at my house, but
1: oh, awkward.
0: It's not unlike him. So we didn't go look for him. <laughs> um, so the next day, September 25th, 1971, they found Neil's truck abandoned and a large pool of blood next to it. With two 22 shells, empty shells near it. Um, So they formed a like search party line, you know, where you like go out from the truck and everybody was kind of at arm's length, just looking for disturbance in dirt and, you know, for clues. And they found his body buried in a, a shallow grave. But it was just his body. It was not his head. Oh, his head was completely detached from his body and it was found um, in a separate shallow grave. And hang out with
1: Big Liz and they each have like a head on their hand. Yeah.
0: Um. Well, this doesn't get paranormal, Oh. but he was shot twice in the forehead. And when they asked the family the usual questions, you know, do you know anybody who would who would want to hurt hurt Neil or who would benefit from him not being around, et cetera. Um, They were met with the answers of, and there was one guy on the police force too, who was like, dude, it has to be someone that got arrested by him because he was um, game warden. He would arrest people for poaching, and he was really, really harsh and he was really confrontational about it. Like he felt very passionately about it. So there was never any warnings. There was never any, don't do it again. It was like, you're going to get the full extent of the law. Mm. So authorities look into all the people he had arrested for poaching and they found quite a few. Um, they asked th- their alibis and all that stuff at, those who didn't have alibis were asked to take a polygraph test and the polygraph, uh, they were nervous the, the people were nervous because they they have a record. So after convincing them, they all agreed to take the polygraph text te- text test, except a man named Brian who song. I say man, he's 21, this kid. So all the others who were investigated were cleared of having anything to do with Neil's death. And Brian, who sung, obviously, due to his refusal to participate in the polygraph. Basically, they decided he did it because why the fuck? Why wouldn't you not? So Brian had been arrested multiple times for poaching by Neil and his latest arrest, which had been a few weeks prior, was for illegally shooting pheasants out of pheasant hunting season. Pheasant hunting season begins in October and goes through January. Oh, wow. That's a long season. I actually had pheasant um, a few weeks ago when I was in Wisconsin. I had pheasant pierogies. Oh, yeah? Do and it taste like chicken? It tastes like turkey. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I, I get that. And they're, they were home harvested pheasants. Would you have like, known if they just said it was turkey? Um, no. Well, because I was there when it was being cooked, oh, okay. so I, it looks different than chicken or turkey. It looks like a chicken breast, but it's like purple. Ew. Yeah, it's really weird. But um, yeah, they were home shot <laughs> and cooked. <laughs> they were home shot. Yeah, and we <laughs> like homemade. Yeah, we made them into the progi ourselves. So, but yeah, I mean, it, it was good. Uh, so he had just recently been arrested for that, and the police didn't have anything on him. Like they couldn't, you know, other than him not having an alibi. It's like, well, not everybody has alibis to murders. Right. You know, sometimes like, you're just home alone. It just is what it is. <laughs> right. So they tapped his phone and sure enough, a few months into it, they heard him talking to his grandmother who said that the guns were hidden. They're all safe, you know, whatever. So they secured a search warrant for his grandmother's house, Agnes. That's
1: such a grandma name.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Can you imagine a little Agnes? No, there's
1: no such thing. Nobody's born in Agnes. Maybe you'd you call her an Agnes.
0: Agnes. You become an Agnes. <laughs> you graduate to Agnes. Right? That's just not a word. So, even though they had the tapes, oh no, I skipped. Okay, so they got a search warrant for Agnes's house where they found the guns and the lab confirmed that it was the murder weapon. Oof. And so he was arrested. He was tried for the murder of Neil LaFave. His grandmother agnes denied the conversation with her grandson brian uh said that's not me on the tape because they played the tapes in court and she's and like that's it in not house. me that's
1: not me i didn't do it yeah. that's funny
0: they uh immediately discredited the grandmother because they brought in the michigan voice identification unit this oh. is 1971 Right, i was like that's a thing yeah i was like Fine. wow
1: okay um it's like ma'am it's totally you, all right? Yeah. Calm down, Aggie.
0: It was also the first time in Wisconsin history of using the electronic surveillance law in a murder trial because the tapes were the were the thing that gave them the information to get the warrant to get the um to get the guns. So the jury found him guilty. After just a few hours. So he's sentenced to life in prison, but this is not the end of Brian Hu song.
1: I hope no. I was like, that's kind of boring.
0: Yeah. So he escaped prison nearly ten years later. Oh. In August 1981, with the help of his girlfriend. Um it was a really intense time for everyone who was involved with putting him away because he was really angry, which clearly he has some anger issues because (laughs) the warden had arrested him. So he fucking shot him and decapitated him with a shovel. Like, yeah, he's not, but he said to the prosecutor, this guy, Donald Zuldmulder, um, (laughs) He said, quote, I'll kill you, you little son of a bitch, (laughs) as he was as he was being let out of court. Oh, and another person. Mm. God damn it. Another person investigating the case was. um, In the police car with Brian when he was being taken to Wisconsin State Reformatory Prison. Uh, The officer's name was Maury and. It's reported that Brian told Maury, if I ever get out, what happened to Neil will look like child's play compared to what I'll do to you. Damn. And it was after he had said, uh, said like, why, you know, why did you do it? Because after he was convicted, I guess he felt the jig was up. And so they were trying to figure out, well, like, why did you do it? This poor guy. I mean, he's a 32 year old husband, father of two kids, four and two years old, like.
1: And big deal. You got arrested for uh, hunting outside the realm. Like, like there's worse things, man. It's not going to ruin your
0: life. Well, I don't know what the stuff was back then. You know, like what the, the punishment was. I imagine you wouldn't be applicable to, apply that for a hunting license. No, but that's you're a good already, point. That would be a big hunting, deal. Who fucking cares?
1: You're already that's illegally shooting. <laughs> that's a good point too. Like, that's a good point.
0: So. Yeah. The officer was just like, why, why did you do it? And he didn't respond at all. And it was like several minutes later that he said, if I ever get out of here, you know, whatever. So he was clearly, I mean, a little bit unhinged. He oh, was but. later in prison. He was diagnosed as a schizophrenic and he was on medication. And then he became like model sit, model prisoner. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after he escaped, after being a model fucking prisoner, everybody was on fucking edge. Like the prosecutor sent his wife and kids to live with a family member that was like 40 miles away from their house. The wow. investigators were in fear for their families. One of them had, um, I don't know if he purchased a gun or if he brought a gun that he had, that was normally like his service weapon, gave it to his wife and taught his wife how to shoot. Um, like they were really, they, they were threatened for sure. Um, it was because he was a model prisoner, Brian that he was transferred out of maximum security prison and was placed at the Fox Lake Correctional Institution, which is a medium security. Um, So that's how he escaped from prison. So what's also strange is he was such a model prisoner that the first year he's eligible to apply for parole is 1983. So, oh, potentially wow. he only had two more years left. I mean, right? the fact that he was diagnosed as schizophrenic and was on medication, I would say that would be a really good sell to the Agreed. board. Like, hey, right. I I fucking he I had killed the problem and I
1: solved it now, like I'm on meds right. and yeah.
0: Okay. But he is not good at the decision making. Uh-huh. So he, he makes poor choices. <laughs> yes, he does. So he got his girlfriend to help who he met her while in prison. And Don't I, I also, always. Yeah, I found this out while reading an article. I actually got a lot of this from the meat dot com. <laughs> um, but there's a word for the women who want to become romantically involved with murderers and people who have committed like really heinous crimes. It's, it's called crazy bitches hyperstophilia ooh okay. or they call it prison bride syndrome so this girl mary had hyperstophilia mm-hmm. and met this guy he decided you know break me out of here um so that day that he escaped his girlfriend came to visit that afternoon And when she after she left, she threw a pair of bolt cutters over the fence. Like, how the fuck do you like so nobody can get out, but yet you can throw whatever the fuck you want over a prison gate. Like that is kind of weird. It is weird. So after dark, he went and got these bolt cutters and cut the fence. And his girlfriend was in her car at a predestined pre- designated um spot which I thought it was pretty clever so she didn't have her headlights on obviously she dismantled the dome light so he could get in the car but she also uh used her brakes her handbrake like the emergency brake she didn't light up her brake lights I was like that's fucking clever like yeah you thought it out yeah I would have I would have driven backwards like, so you can't see. My I wouldn't face. have
1: thought of it either way.
0: So two days later, near Hayward, Wisconsin, which is super north Wisconsin, an off-duty officer saw a car that looked like the driver may be intoxicated. So he called into his department and, you know, said, I think this driver's intoxicated. I need some on-duty officers to pull the driver over. So two police cars were dispatched. And when they saw the car, they saw an action that they believed could have been the driver stashing alcohol under the seat like his Mm -hmm. arm was going under the seat. So they pulled him over. This was not the case because this is Brian Husong, and he got out of his car and approached the officers who asked for his driver's license. Now here he was actually reaching for a shotgun, like a sawed off shotgun that was under his seat when he saw the police, like he thought he was going to have to do something. So, I mean, it's really lucky that he didn't. I think there being two police cars, I think he thought he'd have a better chance of getting shot if he brought out his gun versus if it was just one guy, he could, you know, possibly shoot whatever, but whatever the reason he decided not to take out the gun, but, when they asked for his driver's license, he said, yeah, sure. It's in my car. Um, his girlfriend was in the car as well. Um, and so he turned around like he was going to go get it, but instead he turned back around and punched the officer in the face oh. <laughs> and then hurry oh. up on his car and sped off running over another officer's foot. Oh, Oh, so, I mean, all in all, it could have been way worse. Like, he could have shot the cop or run True. the cop over. So they kind of, you know.
1: A punch it, and a uh, foot. It could be worse.
0: Yeah. So I mentioned his girlfriend Mary was in the car. Um, he was getting blocked in by, at that time, I believe there was another co- cop car that came. Or it was one of the other police officers had gotten in one of them and was going to, like, block him. You know, like, and so he was blocked at that time. So he just got out of the car and ran into the woods and just <laughs> left his girlfriend there. <laughs> um,
1: Chivalry is dead.
0: <laughs> she told the officers that he was a hitchhiker and that he ha- she had picked him up and didn't know who he was. Right. Well, he was driving the car, you know, fucking pick up a hitchhiker and you're like here, Hey, you want to <laughs> drive? I'm kind of drunk. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if that was, I mean, I, it's the seventies and the eighties. I know hitchhiking was much more frequent then. So I don't know if people like, if that was a thing, people counted on hitchhikers. Like if you're driving a long distance, like, okay, I'm I'll tired sleep. tired
1: did you drive. <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't do that in the state. Oh, I wouldn't be I a mean, hitchhiker anyway, but.
0: It all sounds really awful, but at the same time, hitchhiking in general sounds like something you shouldn't be doing. Oh, so 100%. I don't know. I don't know. Judgment's a little off there. So the cops are like, you know, she gives him a fake name, says, I hit, I picked up this hitchhiker and whatever. Um. Even though it's a stolen car, you'd think you'd say I was a hitchhiker. This guy picked <laughs> me up. Like
1: That would have been that would it, have made a lot more sense.
0: Yeah, now you're in a stolen vehicle. I don't whatever. Why would you so. use a stolen vehicle to pick up a
1: someone escaping from prison? That just seems more likely to get caught.
0: No, no, this was Oh no, I'm sorry. It wasn't stolen. It wasn't stolen. It's I'll get to the stealing of cars. So after this whole thing, Brian stole a car and then he would drive it for various time and then he would ditch it and leave it okay. abandoned. Cause he, he left Mary
1: behind. He was like, right.
0: Later, you got me out. See ya. So that makes sense then why it is her car. Okay. But she had her purse with her and the police looked in her purse and found her ID and two knives and a receipt for a 44 handgun like so the cops were like yeah this is you know this we know who you are whatever so december 10th okay that was um 12 weeks he was on the run and stealing cars and you know doing whatever they're trying to find him they they track down some information that there were two brothers that were close to Brian in prison and their family owned land around that area. Like it's really common for people in Wisconsin who hunt to just have land up North, like with a little shack and just, you know, they just go hunt.
1: They do it a lot here too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So they, they had family that owned land up there and they found that Brian had been in contact with one of these brothers and one of the brothers cooperates and shows police the land and they find this shack. It's a 12 by 12 cardboard shack. Oh, wow. And he made. <sighs> um. OK. It's December. Just buy a tent, man. It's dis- It's fucking cold there. I don't know how he was in cardboard. Um, maybe they built cardboard different in the 80s. I don't
1: know. <laughs> maybe it was super insulated. We just don't know.
0: <laughs> if I was making a shelter out of Amazon boxes. I was just going to say that mine would be out of Amazon boxes. <laughs> it would not hold up. No. no um. It would not. So... They find this right. They've got like 50. Huh, I was I said 50 hundred, like 50 or 100 cops that are all like from seven different agencies. And they're all surrounding this, like in the woods because he's this fucking crazy. Sack. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he's told people I'm not going back to prison like I'm not fucking doing it. So he was talking that the cops were talking to his friend who was in prison with him. And was like, yeah, he said, you know, I'm not going back to prison. So he was armed and dangerous. Um, so this officer, which this sounds like some Manitowoc County bullshit, mm-hmm. sets his shotgun down out of reach mm-hmm. to take a piss. So he is in a snowsuit, like a bib, you know, like a. A bib suit, whatever you call him, and so he's messing with himself to like get his wanker out so he can pee. And he hears the footsteps, and it's Brian. He comes out of his shack. I wrote shake. He came out (laughs) of shack um, with a milk jug in one hand and a gun in the other, and he says, "How's the hunting, Dave?" And. The officer was like, fuck, Uh, like he thought he was his friend, Dave, because, you know, it's snowing like that. He's got a hat on. So you can't see that he's police because he's wearing like a bib, you know, a snow suit. Um. So the officer responds with not good. It's getting cold. I'm going to be getting out of here. And this is from a a book that this guy, Jim Chiswick wrote called Protectors of the Outdoors. Um, And it says that he turned and filled his milk jug in the nearby creek and then went back to his shack. But I find it hard to believe because everything's fucking frozen in Wisconsin. I don't know how you would be dipping your bucket in a creek. But who knows? It was 40 years ago and global warming and what the fuck. I don't know. So after that, the guy fucking ran away and was like, dude.
1: You will (laughs) never believe what happened.
0: Yeah. Um, But also, I mean, that just shows you that he fucking brings a gun everywhere. He's going to fill his jug with water and he's got a gun in one hand and his jug in the other. Um, so the officers are using a bullhorn and they're like, Hey, we got you surrounded, surrender peacefully, blah, blah, blah. Um, but he was true to his word that he would never be arrested again. He came out of the shack with, I don't know if autocorrect did something to every single shack that I wrote on here, but it is (laughs) shake every single one. Um, so he came out with a shotgun that was aimed at the officers and they lit him up and he died in hail of bullets. Um, there's still speculation as to whether or not it was suicide by cop or if he really was trying to shoot at the officers. Um, mm-hmm. But he, ne- he didn't get one shot off. Oh, wow. Um, but his gun was off safety. So that's why they think that he
1: he was going to go down with a fight.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, all in all, everybody got fucking lucky that day, except <laughs> Brian, who the saw And Mary.
1: She got left behind, thought her true love. Aww. She
0: did her own prison time. Good. He was convicted, even before Brian's death, of aiding and abetting, and she served two years in prison.
1: Mm-hmm hope it was worth it. And then he just bailed on you like a dick.
0: Yeah. I don't know what the appeal is for someone in prison. Like they, I think it's because they can't cheat. You know, where your man's
1: at all the time. Oh my God. I think it's an insecurity thing. Like, well, I always know where he's at. That's,
0: insane
1: i don't know either like that doesn't sound appealing or
0: it's like you he's a criminal but he's not even a good fucking criminal he's a murderer well not even like murderer aside i mean i would not want to be sleeping with a murderer however if he's a criminal he got busted he's not good at it Right. Like, he he's sloppy. He's not as
1: smart about it. Right. So,
0: you're picking the the worst, like, the worst guy who's the worst at what he was doing. <laughs> like, it seems odd.
1: If we could, I mean, that's a whole other fucking podcast about women that fall in love. You know, like, what's his name? Scott Peterson. I mean, they say he gets, like, a thousand letters a day. Uh, cause yeah. Because he's good looking and. I just like, what makes you think to write to a
0: murderer? Like, he did, murdered his wife and baby. Did you watch um, The Night Stalker on Netflix? Okay, so I'm
1: actually in the middle of it right now. Yeah. I just started watching it a, a couple days ago.
0: Because Richard Ramirez had people in court. like and he was looking so unattractive. Yeah. His teeth are so fucked up. But these and these women are like good looking
1: women. He was a Satanist. Like there's nothing good about Richard Ramirez. Nothing. No. There's nothing redeeming about this piece of shit. Yeah. That is Redeeming about people who I would love to interview someone that was into that. Like that would be like, why? I would love to interview somebody like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my daughters are like, um, it's past dinner time, mom. I mean Fuck. Oh
0: I know. I know. It's dinner that's time. That's going to be my new line. I'm insecure, <laughs> but I'm not prison wife insecure.
1: <laughs> Just so you know. Yeah. I mean, as a woman, we're automatically a little insecure. Oh, God. I blame it on the fashion magazines. <laughs> but that's a whole different episode, too.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So on that note, Burr, Wisconsin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, can you name this episode? Oh, for corn's sake. <laughs> oh, for for corn's sake.
0: I went to a corn festival in Loyal, Wisconsin a few years ago. <laughs> I bet they had really good corn. Oh, yeah, they you told did. me that
1: story. That's right. They did.
0: Yeah, it's on a conveyor belt, and you just get corn, and then you dunk it in, like, a vat of butter. I mean, mm. it's so good. I would eat it. I'm, I'm, I'm on. I'm in it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, and it's Wisconsin butter. It's fucking you know, they got all the dairy out there. So especially churned. Yeah. Mm. Good times. All right. Well, with that we'll sign off, I suppose.
1: I suppose. <laughs> I feel like you're still speaking Wisconsin over here.
0: Um, no, but I did learn something Wisconsin when I was just out there. Um they say or no at the end. Like, do you want to go get some dinner or no? Like <laughs> it is really funny. And I assimilate two places that I go way too fucking fast. Like yeah. I would be the bitch who goes to London and comes back with an accent. You're going to be Madonna. <laughs> yes. I'm not, I just, it starts to, I just start to say things like, um, Okay, if I start saying Crick or Warsh or
1: something, somebody better have it talking to. Me, I should have it talking to.
0: <laughs> go pick your switch. <laughs> <laughs> warsh. Oh, my family says stuff like that. Um, all right, well, we should go or no. So, uh, or, no, or, no. <laughs> or no. Oh, no. Oh, ciao. <laughs> all right. Bye. <laughs> See ya.